Hi, it's Wes Johnson. And John St. John. And we're here for GGR Pirate Radio. Yeah, because they've got balls of steel. Yes, and we may take those from you when we're done. We're going to go in order. Like, is usually going to go first with... Chronological, yeah. That, that's not that a bad idea, going. actually. Yeah, I mean, we could do that. And then um, we will have a guest joining us uh, later. Mr. James Rambo will be jumping in, too, to have his uh, his say on movies and music and all those other things. Um, the geek sheets are temporarily on pause just because we're going to be just all focused on Nostalgia November for the rest of the month. Uh, we will do one, I think, like, um, when is Thanksgiving? Thanksgiving is the 22nd, I believe. Let me that check. Okay. Yeah, so the 22nd. So, I mean, do you guys want to do a show that Friday? Or should we, do you want to all have the week off? Um, I don't know. TBD? Yeah, we'll see how it goes. Yeah. Mm. But I think what we'll do is November 30th, we'll do a Geek Sheets episode where we just talk about nothing about nothing but what happened the month of November as far as like geeky stuff. Oh yeah. That's cool. Okay. Lump in review. Yeah. MC, you haven't finished Daredevil yet, have you? No, I'm on episode 10. Oh, Can you hurry up and finish it before we start? Yeah, yeah seriously, <laughs> just binge it now. <laughs> well, I mean, that was my plan, honestly. Like, yeah. like after we finish, after we get done here, that's pretty much what I'm doing the let's, rest of the night. Let's save that for next week, then. Well, it'll be me, you, and Steve. We'll talk about Daredevil because it's it was it was so fucking good. Oh my god, it was <laughs> so good. Was I, so like, good. I literally I love everything about this season, and I'm not even done yet. Yeah. The only thing even I, even Karen isn't pissing me off yet. Yeah. Like, the only thing I didn't like about it, the only thing I didn't like about it was all corrected, though. The thing that I didn't like about it was, um, at first, like, Kingpin could pretty much do whatever he wanted, and there was no explanation. It was just like, well, how did he get all this shit? And you're just like, and my wife was watching it with me, and she's hypercritical of this stuff anyways. So she's like, how the hell is he just, he can just go wherever the hell he wants? Like, what kind of bullshit is this? And then yeah. we finally get to, like, I want to say it was, like, episode 10 or 11, when they find out that, like... Whoa, um, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. Are you all talking about this uh, Daredevil season three? Yeah, I won't say anything else after this. Okay, yeah. <laughs> That's, I haven't Oh, is it? Is it the? If it's the thing that I'm thinking of, because that just happened in the last episode I watched. When he went to, then his, I'm right to there. Bosses, when he went to his boss's yeah, house. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, and that explained. That's, yeah, that's yeah. And that explained everything. And you were just like, and oh, I was okay. sitting there the whole time, like you're texting me, and you're like, Sandy's poking holes in everything, and I'm like pulling my hair out, like don't tell him, don't tell him, don't tell him. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, and you didn't, and you were very good about that, Steve. So well done. Because, like you said, like, and we've talked about it on the show a number of times, like, yeah. typically, nine times out of ten, me and you do not care about spoilers. No. It's like, whatever, the execution is the thing. But one of those things, it's like, mm, that's a twist level of, of stuff where I'm like, I'm going to hold off on that one. I, I want to let him honestly enjoy that moment the way I got to. Yeah. I don't want to take that from him. Oh, and it's just, I just, God, I enjoyed the hell out of it. It was, it's so good. It's so good. And, like, there wasn't a single thing that I watched where I was just like, this is not true to the character at all. Like, even just, just his interactions with the other characters, like, just in general. Like, they, they – and they got the feel because Daredevil is a comic book. It's kind of depressing. Like, he's, he's, he's basically, like, this self-hating Catholic. And yeah, exactly. And they get it, and they get exactly. it so right in this, in this series. Like, he just hates himself. And you're like – 
yeah, this is accurate. And Sandy, and Sandy like looks at me. And she's like, she's like, damn, this is depressing. And I was like, yeah, welcome to the comic book. I was like, this is me being thirteen reading this. And I was like, I don't think I want to read this anymore. This is too sad. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, now you know how it felt to be a teenage Mike. All right, guys. Yeah, they, they, yeah, they totally changed that character. Uh, I mean, he had been, but he had been a lot. He'd been a lot like Spider-Man, yeah. Except you know, blind and you know, with like radar sense and shit. And um, you know, then they, uh, after the whole Frank Miller thing, and and that's when they kind of moved on to the Catholic guilt and all that stuff. And um, it really it invigorated the character. The only thing that I wasn't really crazy about, and it's mostly in terms of the way the character has been adapted. Um, when I grew up, the Kingpin was a Spider-Man villain, and you know, relatively minor Spider-Man villain. You know, of course, they used him a lot better with Daredevil because he's like, wow, Daredevil's like arch enemy and stuff. But he's still ultimately a Spider-Man villain for me, and the fact that Daredevil at least in the comic book, can't match up physically against him, speaks volumes about that. And I loved that when they first met because Daredevil tried to fight him and then the Kingpin with like one punch laid him out. And it was like, oh damn, that's right. You gotta be Spider-Man before you can fight this guy hand to hand, you know? And, um, you know, so it required uh, a greater level of thought to figure out how they could match up against each other and have this rivalry absent the physical conflict, which is primary in so many uh, comic books. Yeah, you know? I um, and and I promise, ladies and gentlemen who are listening to our little uh, cold open here, um, that we're not going to spoil anything about Daredevil until next week when we talk about it because we will be talking about it next week um, but there's a really good meme out there that, that just makes me laugh every single time and it says um, if I was new to comic books and you told me that there's a superhero who's blind and uses echolocation to fight and one who's an adrenaline junkie who flies around using gadgets and that one is called Batman and the other one is called Daredevil I would punch you in the face if I found out which was which <laughs> <laughs> That's, That's good. Brilliant. <laughs> it really is. Cause wow. Because when you think about it, you're just like, wait a minute, isn't he bet? Oh uh, yeah, I guess he. Yeah, like it's. <laughs> I really enjoyed that. That was that was pretty good. Uh, all right, guys. So let's go ahead and we. Wait, wait, wait. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. You just made me think about it. If I don't say this, I'm gonna I'm gonna mess it up. And so all right, and this is something else that as a comic book fan you may appreciate. Um, uh, really quick, how many of you have seen? Bob Kane's original character drawings for Batman. Um, I'm going to look them up right now on Google. Oh, 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 oh. Yes, you're in for a treat because it, had it not been for Bill Finger and Jerry Robinson, Batman would have been really stupid. <laughs> I'm looking right now. Hang on. Bob Kane, original <laughs> Batman. Oh, that's lame. <laughs> <laughs> what is this? <laughs> He's like, you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> what? Check me out. Um, Batman. Like he just looks. Uh, that's horrible. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, I'm sorry, but you made me think about that. In terms you know what of he looks like? like? Did you get? I mean, like I know Marcus has probably seen it, and I know Steve might have. Julie, this may not have been your thing. It probably was past your time. But SpongeBob. 
Um, uh, what's his name? Um, oh, <laughs> God, what's the superhero in SpongeBob? I can't remember his name uh, now. Barnacle Boy. Barnacle and, Boy uh, and Mermaid Man. Yeah, he yeah, looks like it's yeah. like it's like they took Mermaid Man and they just slapped some wings on him. That's what he looks like. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, this is this is horribly lame. This is horribly lame. Anyways, thank you for tuning in to GGR Pirate Radio, guys. We got a great show tonight. We are joined by uh, GGR. Um, contributors and well, one of them, co-founder of GGR, Mr. Steve Monick. Hey, everybody. Uh, we've also got GGR contributor, Mr. MC Brooks. Yo. Uh, we will be joined by a uh, fellow MC, uh, fellow MC, <laughs> fellow <laughs> GGR contributor, and he might be an MC. I don't know, um, Mr. James Rambo. He will be joining us in a little bit. He's finishing a movie with his uh, significant other. Uh, but we are also joined by the lovely and talented. And always busy, Mr. Ulysses E. Campbell of Fantastic Forum and of WERA fame. And he's on like 9,000 different TV shows as like a Secret Service agent or a doctor or whatever. Uh, but thank you for joining us tonight, Yuli. <laughs> thank you, Mike. I didn't know I was lovely. <laughs> haven't exactly been described like that lately. <laughs> Appreciate it, man. Well, of course. Of course. You know, I am comfortable enough with my own masculinity that I can call another man lovely and not be, you know confused in any way shape or form you know i i would not be concerned about that but for the fact that i know you're sitting around in your pajamas <laughs> <laughs> did, did you did you want us to leave like we we can leave yeah. you feel like, like i <laughs> no please don't after dark <laughs> please don't ggr after dark <laughs> no <laughs> Should be G G A R. Geez, get a room. <laughs> <laughs> Good one. <laughs> oh goodness gracious! At any rate, guys, uh, we've got a wonderful show for you tonight. We are not going to be doing uh, the geek sheets um, every week for the month of November. Well, why do you ask? Because the month of November is nostalgia November here for us at GGR. So we are going to be going pretty much all nostalgia all the time uh, for the podcast for the next uh, three or four episodes. We will do a Geek Sheets wrap up at the end of the month just to kind of talk about all the things that happened uh, in the month of November as far as like the geeky nerdy news. But for this month, we are in this particular episode, we are going over our favorite year as far as media goes. So favorite sport events, favorite movies tv music video games all that whatever happened in that you had to find one year that was like just the best the goat of years and we've all picked one we're going to be talking about it here right after our intro because ggr pirate radio starts right now we are starting in five four three two one broadcast starting Good job. You're listening to GGR Pirate Radio. Don't be a juice bag. Do it! Do it! Come on! Kill me! I'm here! Come on! Do it now! Kill me! This is called Pirate Radio. And as the puck drops, the words that DC fans have been waiting to hear since 1974, the Washington Capitals are the 2018 Stanley Cup champions. Lady, I'm afraid I'm going to have to ask you to leave the store. Who the hell are you? 
Name's Ash. Housewares. Wayne, you gonna win on this? Oh, there's nothing better than a fart. What's up, kids falling off bikes, maybe? I could watch kids fall off bikes all day. I don't give it to the magic kid. It's called Pilot Radio. But, Peter, why would they make you president? Well, maybe it's because I can recite all 50 states in a quarter of a second. It's called Pilot Radio. Before we get started, does anyone want to get out? Be like, oh, these are stupid guns. Guns uh. are for jerks. <laughs> it's called Pilot Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to the Great Geek Refuge. My name is Mike Lunsford, and this is our podcast, GGR Pirate Radio. I am joined by my stalwart co-host, and I would say Superman to my Batman world's finest, that is Mr. Steve Monick. Thank you, Michael. I'll take it from here. (laughs) I've also got the newest member of our Justice League of Nerdiness. His name is MC Brooks. Ayo. And in a crossover event, crossing over with GGR is Fantastic Forum's own Ulysses E. Campbell. Thank you, Mike. On tonight's episode of GGR Pirate Radio, as I mentioned before, we're going nostalgic. We chose, and it was really kind of a, a fun exercise in all of this nostalgia that we're talking about, we picked one year. And, and the rules that I gave everybody was it had to be pre 2000 so anything before 2000 because i feel like that's nostalgic enough like it had to be the last century um but we picked one year where all the media was awesome the movies the tv the sports the video games all of it and each of us has one and we are going to share them with you and i want to start with um chronologically because in discussing this before we started uh ulysses e campbell told us what year he was doing his is the earliest chronologically speaking so mr campbell oh wait congratulations by the way um re-elected uh, commissioner ulysses e campbell <laughs> oh, those, oh, those, are, those results are those results are unofficial but oh, okay <laughs> i will well no i will accept your congratulations because i think i won by a wide enough margin that when they look at uh any absentee ballots that have been cast and um oh, what was the other thing Oh, write-ins. I, I don't think they're going to be enough of those to uh, to unseat me. So, <clears throat> now I tell you what, <clears throat> I did actually offer congratulations to somebody else who it looked like won in a uh, a write-in, but that's absolutely not official. And that one's close enough to where it might not stand up. And I actually had to send this person another email saying, hey, sorry if I was premature. Uh, I'm really hoping that you win. So it means I haven't stuck my foot in my mouth up to my thigh. Was this person named Foggy Nelson? This person <laughs> <writing>. No. <laughs> Thank goodness, no. But you know. Uh, so that what ha- that's what happens to Foggy. You know, oh, I Yuli can, congratulates I, him. Yeah, he gets in a fight with Yuli. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I can see that Foggy is like running for DA in this one. You know, it's, I mean, which in the comic books, Foggy ended up as district attorney for a while, which was really cool. I, um, but I guess it stands to reason since his uh, time at uh, Jerry Hogarth's firm was coming to an end. I really like his character, but 
that's not what we're here to talk about. Yeah, no, I like that actor too. I'm sorry. So you were saying, take it away, 1978, huh? <laughs> yes, sir. It is all yours. Okay. Well, all right. Of course, uh, first, uh, I will start with sports because even though I mean there were a lot of tremendous sporting events, um, a lot of great teams, great players, some of whom I thought really sucked. Even though I mean, like because the Dallas Cowboys won the Super Bowl that year, but the hell with the Cowboys. Gross. But yeah, exactly. But the New York Yankees won the World Series. They beat the uh, LA Dodgers uh, in six games. And uh, this was in the midst of a run. They had some really great players. Uh, you know, it was Yankees baseball uh, back again because the Yankees had fallen on hard times for a couple of years. and. It had been a couple of years since they had won a championship, so uh, that was really great. Um, the movie, part of the reason, though, that I love 1978, it was very much a coming-of-age year for me, and uh, I was beginning to develop the capacity to think abstractly. Um, I started going to more uh, comic and science fiction conventions where I met some very dear friends uh, that I have known and remained in contact with ever since. Started doing costuming. Um, but one of the uh, bigger things that happened uh, in terms of, uh, you know, since I know we're talking uh, a little bit about the, um, the media. So um, you look at some of the movies that came out. Superman the movie debuted in 1978. And this was a seminal film, it was a watershed event, uh, because they, they, while superheroes had been done, you had superheroes on television, and you know, previous to that, there had been these serials, but this was a big budget, big time Hollywood movie that they spent a lot of money on. And uh, Superman the movie starring Christopher Reeve and um, Marlon Brando and Gene Hackman, to this instant, in my mind, remains the definitive comic book superhero adaptation. Uh, and, you know, hey, Iron Man comes in a close second. Wonder Woman is actually third on my list. But Superman the movie, I mean, this was, this was pure gold. Now, there were a bunch of movies, because uh, it was also uh, great for horror. You had uh, Halloween that debuted uh, in uh, 1978. Dawn of the Dead was another movie. Um, you know, but there was, it was also a great year for comic, comedy, comedic movies. You had um, Animal House, uh, National Lampoon's Animal House uh, was a, uh, a movie that came out that year. Um, you also had, uh, in just in terms of highly acclaimed movies, The Deer Hunter uh, that came out. I mean, it took me, I admit, it took me a couple of years with The Deer Hunter before I really, I mean, it was really kind of artsy and whatnot, but. It's pretty you know, intense was, too, so. Yeah. Oh, indeed. You know, Grease was another movie, you know, beloved musical uh, that people uh, really liked. Um, Midnight Express, another one. I mean, you know, one of those, you don't want to go to a Turkish prison kind of movies. So, 
you know, loved uh, a lot of the stuff that uh, was coming out then and the impact that it had on me. Uh, I mentioned comedic movies. You had uh, stoner comedy, Up in Smoke, uh, Cheech and Chong. That came out. Um, of course, Watership Down, which a lot, a lot of people still love if you like bunnies. And, um, you know, so uh, anyway. But, yeah, the, the, you had all of this stuff. Oh, Drunken Master uh, with Jackie Chan. Um, it was also, let's see. Uh, it was also a great year for stage and uh, some of the stuff that, um, uh, well, David Bowie uh, with the uh, Ziggy Star Stardust tour uh, was out that year. Um, I could go on and on uh, in, in terms of all the different stuff. That, Can I just do a quick uh, aside here off of something you mentioned, Julie? It, it's amazing to me that Jackie Chan has been making movies that long. <laughs> yeah, he's, uh, he's, he's really kept himself in great shape. And uh, but that's it, the the fact that he still has a career because he started um, he was over in Hong Kong and he came over here but then he went back there because uh, you know he, he the stuntmen weren't as good here one of the things he absolutely complained about was how uh, you you threw a punch at a stuntman and, or you throw several punches and the stuntman only reacts to one before he falls down he's like man you know Hong Kong stuntmen. You know, they were reacting to every punch that you threw, you know, so. Well, just the fact that he's still alive on some of the stuff he did. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, right. Like, I mean, I can't remember. Was it Rumble in the Bronx where he, like, broke his leg doing a, a, a jump from one building to another? And they literally made him a walking cast and he kept filming the movie. Mm. that's crazy there are so many like go on youtube when you're bored and just look up like jackie chan death stunts and watch the 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 litany of times the man almost killed himself for something that could have been done with like wires or whatever and he just Mm. threw he throws himself off of buildings and over tabletop saws and all kinds of crazy crap Mm -hmm. well it's what he what he continued to strive for in terms of creating the illusion of realism in his films you know so um yeah 1978 i mean it's uh, very near and dear to my heart uh, again um I, I will reference star wars even though star wars came out the year before because it was still very much alive and vibrant in the in, in, in the public consciousness, and, and particularly, I mean, you guys, you, you, you don't appreciate where we were with that. A lot of people talk about, uh, for example, the Star Wars holiday special that actually came out. <laughs> you know, the, it was either the year before, the year after, or two years after. But the thing was, after that first movie, and again, I call it Star Wars. It's now referred to as Episode Four: A New Hope. But... It was it, there was all there was that was all there was. There wasn't this extended universe. There were no other movies. I mean, there was just that one movie, and the impact that it had on the culture was phenomenal. I mean, you just you can't imagine. I mean, I know in some ways it sounds kind of sad and lonely, but that's the only one there was. But that was all we had, and we didn't know any better, and we embraced it, and we loved it, and. Uh, you know, that was part of what brought us together in terms of the fandom, you know, was, 
you know, the love of this movie. I mean, Star Trek, the motion picture had yet to come out. <laughs> they were working on that. You know, it was like, oh, man, you know, but it was getting ready to be. In fact, that, that, was, that was the other element. I mean, there was the sense that you were on the, the cusp, the verge of something so much greater and grander in 1978 as these various works began to pave the way for where we ultimately went, you know. Um, comics was another one because uh, there were, this was, I guess 1978 in a lot of ways uh, was sort of the, um, I'm going to say uh, it was the end of the Bronze Age of comics. Um, but, uh, you know, it was, um, it was, I, there, there's, there's just no, there's no, uh, describing what was going on. I guess one of the biggest things that happened, uh, in terms of the industry, um, Jim Shooter began as uh, editor in chief of Marvel comics. Now he would go on to continue in that role uh, up until the late 1980s. He had almost a 10-year run. But what's substantial about that is Jim Shooter changed the comics industry. Um, he was the one who began the, the first, because the comics industry was so jacked up. I mean, you know, it, it, as work for hire, I mean, the stuff that was coming out, yeah, that was, and people don't really understand that Comic book writers and artists, they were paid on a per-page basis. This was work for hire. They didn't get vacations. They didn't get sick leave. They didn't get health insurance. They didn't even get any share of any profits from these characters. But, you know, this was the, the very beginning of when there was sort of an interest uh, or a broader interest in the whole licensing thing. But Jim Shooter was the one who first started uh, looking at uh, being able to compensate creators for uh, for some of the stuff that they were doing, and uh, you know, so that was that was extremely noteworthy. Um, I mean, in addition to stuff like Superman versus Muhammad Ali that came out that year, and uh, like, why? Hang on, yeah. hang on. First off, I. I understand why you do that, the crossover, you know, like, hey, that's cool. But, like, that fight would last 10 seconds, not even 10 seconds, because, like, <laughs> Muhammad Ali would swing at him, Superman would step back, and then just punch him all the way into, like, orbit of Saturn. Like, Michael, they fought under a red I mean, sun did they to really? make it even. Did they really? Uh, yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's like, when he says this, I'm like, oh, Mike's never read it. <laughs> no, I haven't read it. Like, it's... <laughs> Like that's the stupidest thing ever. That's like that's like, hey, who do you, you know? Let's have a let's have a fight between like it, ah, just like you literally have to come up with a re. They fought under a red sun, so they took Muhammad Ali and Superman and flew them into space to a place that has a red sun and set up a boxing ring, and then what brought humans to come see this? So that like this is like a billion dollar fight just to get well, people to come see it. There were aliens from all over. Oh, of course. <laughs> of course there were. Yeah. And you're forgetting about how much they would make on pay-per-view for this, buddy. I <laughs> mean, true. think about UFC right now between two regular humans. <laughs> this is Muhammad Ali versus And the licensing like, alone. I mean, you have the Muhammad right. Ali versus Superman serial. Like, you have, yeah. I like... mean, if you had Conor McGregor versus Daredevil right now, people would pay through <laughs> their nose to uh, watch that. Daredevil would kill him, and it would be awesome. 
<laughs> he'd put those he'd put those Muay Thai wraps around his hands and just beat Conor McGregor's ass. It would be awesome. <laughs> okay, Keely, uh, thank you for thank you for 1978. Go ahead, yeah, go ahead. The last thing that because I, I I would be dilatory if I didn't mention the X Men mm. because you had. The Uncanny X-Men, John Byrne had just recently come on that book, and that was really starting to take off. And the X-Men would change comics forever. So that was the other thing in 1978 in terms of comics. Well done. Can I bring up something recent from 1978 that applies today? Please. 1978 was also the debut of the Bill Bixby, Lou Ferrigno, Incredible Hulk. Oh, yeah. November November 9th, the day we're recording, is Lou Ferrigno's birthday. Oh, not really? Yes, sir. He And he is, just a side note, he was at Baltimore Comic-Con one year, and he was going to the bathroom, and I had my arms full of comics trying to get to our table when Ben and I were selling Ethan Stone at uh, Baltimore Comic-Con. And, like, I had, like, my arms full, and, like, we were in this cramped area where we had to pass each other. It was like, I'm, oh, my God, it's Lou Ferrigno, and I'm going to run into him with a box full of comics. This is really embarrassing. And he looks at me, and he goes, do you need help? And I was like, the Hulk's going to help me carry comic books. This is so cool. <laughs> and, like, he literally was just like – and he yells, like, in his, in his voice, excuse me, and people move. And he was like, there you go. And I was like, well, he didn't help me, but he moved people out of the way, so that's – all right, cool. All right, I'll accept it. That's fine. And like that—that that was, that was cool. it. Like no handshake, no signature. That was—it was just he told people to move, like Andre the Giant did in uh, Princess Bride. So that's oh, all. Cool. That's all I got. Yeah, sorry, not that great of a story. Apparently, that was a good story. Okay, um, just joining us now on GGR Pirate Radio is the lovely and talented as well, Mr. James Rambo. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the show. Hey, Rambo. Uh, What's up? So, since we're going chronologically here, the next year that we have, and I'm going to play some music that coincides with my year. Now, I mean, it's, you guys know already because I've told you, but like, when it comes to 1991, there was a particular song that came out by a particular band on a particular album. You might have heard of it. They're called Nirvana. You know, no big deal. Kind of an underground thing. But the song, it smells like teen spirit. And I'm going to start with this just because, like, this... The reason why I picked 1991 was, like, for me... First off, this song was the first time I heard a song where it, like... I was blown away. Like, I remember specifically listening to this song and being like, What are these guys doing? This is incredible. I don't understand what the hell he's saying, but I don't care. It's angry, and it's and I'm and I'm angry too for some reason now. I don't know why, but that's okay. <laughs> and like, and like I went and I, I remember I was like, because it came out in '91, but I didn't go out and buy the album until '92. But like, I went and got the album. I rode my bike up to the Best Buy that was up the street from my house, and I bought it on tape. And, like, listen to it on my Walkman on my way back on my bike. And, like, I was just – I thought I was the coolest kid ever. I was like, I'm listening to Nirvana, and I'm riding my bike, and I wasn't supposed to ride my bike this far from home because I'm a rebel and I don't care. Like, it was it was just really, really cool. And, like, this, this was, like, the first band that I, like, fell in love with. And on top of that, 1991 was just this badass year for, like, all things. It's like if you were going to call it a year, it, it's, like, it, it's like God or Buddha or whoever it is above was like, hey, Mike – 
you like things and I'm gonna make you happy I'm gonna give you all the things that you like in this one year how does that sound and I was like uh, okay deity above thank you very much I appreciate that because my favorite football team the Washington Redskins they won the Super Bowl and this was like the coolest thing and I'm like what nine years old and I'm watching this and I'm thinking to myself man they won when I was nine. They won when I was seven. They're just going to keep winning Super Bowls all the time because this is what happens, right? Your sports teams are always good. You know, flash forward to now, and they haven't been to the Super Bowl <laughs> and, uh, since that Super Bowl 91. So, no, that doesn't actually happen. But there you go. Um, but also, too, my favorite athlete of all time, my favorite baseball player, Cal Ripken Jr., had this incredible season in 1991. He was the MVP of all of Major League Baseball. He was MVP of the All-Star game. Um, so, like, my favorite player had his, like, best year ever, basically. Um, it, it was just it was just an awesome year in general. But on top of that, movies, because I, I love movies. Uh, um, the, movie, the movie lineup was just incredible. So let, let me go through some of the movies that came out in 1991. So the first one, the big one, is Terminator 2 Judgment Day. Which was, I mean, like, I don't think there's anybody out there that I've ever heard say, yeah, I don't like Terminator 2. It wasn't that good. Like, everybody universally. It was few... good. Oh, damn you. I, <laughs> I hate <did>. you. <laughs> <laughs> You're done. You're fired. Get out. Um, no, like, Terminator 2. Just incredible movie. Silence of the Lambs came out in 1991. Um, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, which, say what you will about Kevin Costner's lack of British accent. Um, is is still I think like I, I can watch that movie anytime. I don't care when it's on. I will drop what I'm doing to watch that movie. It's in a list of like like five or six uh, movies. I'm sorry, Mike. Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, totally sucked, man. Oh, <laughs> it's a wonderful movie. You are wrong, Yuli. The things How? you say are wrong. Europeans are incorrect. That's wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying it's winning any Academy Awards or anything like that. Okay, I'm not saying it's like changing the lives of people it's not like there's somebody it's not like kevin costner runs into some kid who's like the same age as me it was like kevin costner i was i was mad i hated the world and then i watched robin hood prince of thieves and it changed my life no i'm just saying it was cool and the action scenes were cool and alan Rickman. i was will scarlet i felt just like him you were nine years old i'm gonna cut you some thank you it's like when you i i just couldn't let that one pass i'm sorry i mean just alan alan rickman's performance alone just him chewing scenery in that movie like makes that movie like so good oh when he's like when he's like mad because robin stole more money and he's like no more merciful beheadings and call off christmas like and, <laughs> yeah. when he's trying to explain to guy of gisborne why he said he's going to use a spoon <laughs> to cut out his heart and he has to walk him through the steps of <laughs> why a spoon cousin uh, why not an axe uh, axe or a sword <laughs> uh, wonderful oh, but some other great um, and, and honestly I put Robin Hood Prince of Thieves in the same category as this next movie I'm about to mention it's so bad it's good and that's Point Break Point Break again not a movie that's gonna like blow anybody away with it's like incredible dialogue and well acted scenes cause like Gary Busey's in this movie and he's a just a complete idiot like coked out of his mind like the entire movie but like just absolutely awesome uh, Keanu Reeves you got Patrick Swayze just an awesome action flick in general and the fact that they tried to remake it and they just couldn't capture the magic is just was just sad um, that was an exceptionally bad idea trying really to remake was. Point Break it really was yeah I don't understand what the appeal is for something like that. 
Yeah, who who knows, man? Um, an often overlooked Disney flick that is one of my favorites. I remember going to see it in the movie theaters. Uh, and in fact, this particular director, Joe Johnston, would come back again as the director of Captain America, the first Avenger, and that was The Rocketeer. I friggin' loved The Rocketeer. And I and I wish there was at one point they were talking about doing a sequel to this movie. Um, that was going to be set in uh, Cold War 1980s. And the Rocketeer was going to be, like, retired, and, like, he was training his replacement, and it was this young girl. And I was like, oh, this is going to be so cool, and it never happened. And, like... That sounds amazing. Yeah. Hey, anything with T-Dalt in it signed me up. Yeah, right? Like, that was... Oh, and that was such a good movie, too. Like, when you have the mafia and the FBI working together, because the mafia is like, hey, we ain't working with no Nazis here, eh? Like, that was, yeah, just a great movie. That's one of my favorite things in pop culture is the criminal who is still all American. Like, who is like, no, there's two instances I can think of, and it's that, it's Paul Sorvino in The Rocketeer, and it's the Joker in the oh, Batman yeah. Captain America crossover, where he's like, yeah. wait a minute, this is... This isn't just a costume? Like, you're an actual Nazi? <laughs> no, I'm not, that's not okay. <laughs> Haven't you, like, punted children off buildings? Like, yeah, but this whole... Hey, yeah, but I'm all about 100% true blue all-American. <laughs> I've, killed, I've killed plenty of people with neurotoxins, but you guys not, you know, superior white race? No, that doesn't fly. No, can't have that. Now you crossed the line. <laughs> Paul Sorvino had a really great well there was a bunch of stuff that was great about him and the Rocketeer there's a really great moment when Cliff goes after the um, the dirigible and uh, you know there's the you know the, the, the FBI guys are like oh hey they're getting away and he goes hey maybe not look and it's up on the dome of the Griffith uh, observatory and somebody's like it's him it's the Rocketeer and he you know blasts off and then they got a shot of Paul Sorvino and he's like Go get him, kid. You know? I'm just like, yeah. <laughs> that was pretty badass. Yeah. I would just sit here and listen to Yuli like do a like radio broadcast version of the Rocketeer. <laughs> like, let's get him like a little sound stage and everything like that. Like, let's set him up right and let's do this thing. We'll just have a, just him just reading the script, you know, like <laughs> doing all the parts. Yeah. We got the sound effects and everything. I, let's do it. Well, I think that now we have something to pitch to Rob Paulson when he comes on the show. Be like, hey, listen, oh, you and Ulysses yeah. Campbell are going to be reenacting the Rocketeer, okay? <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Don't I'm honored. Yeah. You know, the sad thing about that, Dave Stevens, who created the Rocketeer, um, he died, uh, well, I don't know, it was a few years after. But um, And I think that really affected what happened with that character. <laughs> Because, um, you know, The Rocket, I mean, that was some really great stuff. In fact, the only bad thing about that movie was that they didn't use Betty Page as Cliff's girlfriend. I, I really think I was I missed Betty. I mean, Jenny, it was like, nah, who, who, who are you? Wait, what? <laughs> You're supposed to be Betty Page. Yeah. I got to think that was like a likeness issue or something. Yeah. I mean, like not wanting to use her. Yeah, or having to like negotiate with her, her people basically probably was what that came down to. So, um, so some more movies that came out in 1991 that were that were pretty badass. Um, City Slickers, I think that's a movie that like pretty much everybody watched. Um, as far as just it was universally loved. I mean, I don't think I, I knew anybody that didn't like that one. Um, Hook is oh god, Hook is one of my favorites of all time. A in fact. If looky, you look, you Mike Scott Hooky. There you go. Thank you. Appreciate that. Um, if God you check, it. if you check GGR, 
um, right now, because it is Nostalgia November. I have a Nostalgia November article about Hook and my uh, affection for this movie. So check that out when you get a chance. But like I, I that that one surprisingly got got panned by critics, and a lot of people did not like Hook. I don't know why. I, I thought it was a just a fantastic movie. Um, Dustin Hoffman just just kills it as as uh, James S. Hook. And could you really can you imagine anybody else playing the role of Peter Pan, both like frightening alcoholic asshole father and you know child who never grew up uh, as Robin Williams? I don't think anybody else really could have pulled that role off. No. Um. No, I don't think so. Like he does. Miss uh, maybe Jim Carrey, but I don't think so. Yeah, he would have been too young at that point. Yeah, I mean, I guess he could have pulled it off. But like um, another one that that was. Like, I didn't think it was going to be good because, like, I, I figured their audience wouldn't have worked because most people who grew up watching The Addams Family weren't really the target market for this movie. But The Addams Family movie is surprisingly good. Like, very good. Fantastic. Yeah, I really enjoyed The Addams mm. Family. Um, mm. Another one that's, like, I didn't I didn't appreciate when it came out in 91 because I wasn't really old enough to appreciate it. But years later, watching What About Bob with Richard Dreyfus <laughs> and Bill Murray – is 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 just fantastic like that that's just a wonderful movie um i mean jfk came out that year barton fink came out that year uh for all you ninja turtle fans out there teenage mutant ninja turtles 2 the secret of the ooze came out with uh vanilla ice doing his ninja rap because uh, <laughs> that was a thing unfortunately um, what about bob has um one of the better uh designed um intro credit sequences um, if you if you watch the credits for the beginning of the movie, they'll show a name, and then they'll immediately show a name that's not directly above it. It's literally like halfway on top of the other name. They're using the typography in that design to make you uncomfortable in the same way that Dreyfus is uncomfortable with Bob the entire film. Wow. Hmm. Yeah. It's really interesting. It's one of those things that, like, I was I was taking a, a t- my, typo- my 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 uh, typography class in college, and I watched it, and I was like, "Son of a bitch, that is all really really intentional." <laughs> like, it, it it becomes like a little bit more difficult to read their names, and it's just uncomfortably spaced. Um, and it, yeah, it's 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 a really interesting uh, um, uh, uh, visual uh, metaphor for the entire movie. Yeah. Um. A couple other movies that were that were that were pretty big, um, and we have to mention them because it's it's GGR. But Star Trek Six: The Undiscovered Country, which Star Trek Two, I think is I think everybody would say hands down is probably the best of the original cast movies. Um, Star Trek Four obviously was the most popular one, um, but Star Trek Six, I I, I I that might be neck and neck with Star Trek Two. I, I think that one is is one of the best Star Trek movies that's ever been done. Like it's just an incredibly done movie it deals with racism incredibly well the whole ending of the cold war it really just hits all of those things and like they really sent that cast off properly and that fight scene where they're right outside of uh of Kittimer and the bird of prey is cloaked and just like circling around them just blowing holes to the enterprise is like one of the coolest fight scenes i've ever seen in, uh, like in any movie period yeah well and uhura got to have an idea yeah, exactly. She got to contribute <laughs> something. Right? 
Yeah, when she was just like, you know, let's. What if we just shoot it? It's you know exhaust. How about that? Wouldn't that work? Yeah. Yo, well, they they had they were carrying this equipment to study gaseous anomalies. Yeah. And uh, you know, so it was her idea to basically to modify the torpedo that they used, uh, you know, to blow the thing up. Yeah. So and it was like, oh damn, well, who are going on? Yeah. yeah. There's some really cool behind the scenes stuff with that movie in general too, because like, um, he plays Admiral Cartwright in the movie. Uh, Brock Peters, who. Oh yeah. If uh, his like his first major role was he played and I cannot remember the name of the character from To Kill a Mockingbird. Oh yeah, but the character, crap I can't yeah. I can't think of it either. I should, but yeah, yeah he was in To Kill a Mockingbird. Yeah, he was the guy who was on freaking trial. Yeah, yeah, and he he is. I mean, he was a staunch civil rights voice in the '60s and '70s, and they make him a racist asshole in Star Trek 60 Undiscovered Country and he was super uncomfortable with it and even told the director Nicholas Myers he was like I don't want to say this and Nicholas Myers is like it's I'm sorry it's your role you need to do it and like Brock Peters did it like just dead on like just nailed the scene and as soon as the scene was over and Nick Myers said cut like there were just tears pouring down his face because he literally he basically was just like yeah okay so the Klingons had some had a rough go of things you know their moon blew up oh that sucked but we need to bring them to their knees then we'll dictate terms of peace and like he was just like this is like the most ugly awful thing ever and like it's just it, it I don't know why that that particular story just really moved me because I was like man this guy knew that it's a role but he didn't care it still bothered him emotionally and that's just that I, I thought that was kind of beautiful well, I, I can say uh, from my own personal experience as pun to do something that you are not comfortable with have to do it. I mean, I'm a little surprised that a performer like uh, Brock Peters, certainly who had read the script and who understood, I guess maybe because he didn't realize that they were changing the Admiral Cartwright character because Cartwright had been sort of a semi-recurring character for a couple of movies. Yeah. But, um, you know, I mean, it, it, hey, you know, sometimes you got to do this stuff. Yeah. And, you know, as an actor, I, it, and, you know, it, 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 it is to his credit that he went ahead and did it. Um, you know, and that you're right. I mean, it was one of the it was one of the better performances in that movie, I thought. Um, I didn't like how yet this was, you know, a, another Starfleet admiral who, you know, it's, I mean, they must have terribly in Star Trek. It's always these Commodores and these admirals who right? are doing all this questionable stuff. <laughs> I'm like, geez, you guys, come on. You know, even in Next Generation, they had a lot yeah, of that. You know? Exactly. But um, yeah, no, but yeah, that, I, I appreciate you sharing that story. Yeah, that's that, that's a good one. Um, and, I'll, and I'll wrap up here and then we'll get it on to uh, Mr. Uh, James Rambo, who's got 1993. Um, Good, 1993. Video games. Real quick. Like, I'm not going to delve on this because we will have another episode for this. Trust me. Because, I, first off, MC Brooks is, like, a huge fan of Sonic the Hedgehog. So we'll have to devote time to the fact that 1991 um, was the birth of Sonic the Hedgehog. But also, too, he told me a story one time that, that, like, blew my mind. I had no idea. Apparently, Saddam Hussein had something to do with the release of Sonic the Hedgehog. What? What? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and that's your tease. We'll come back to that one later. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> so 1991 was the release of Sonic the Hedgehog, Street Fighter 2, the, the first Civilization game, Super Castlevania, Legend of Zelda, Link to the Past, Lemmings, Tecmo Super Bowl, 
Um, let's see what else do we have. Final Fantasy IV, Battletoads, Metroid 2, The Simpsons, Bart vs. Space Mutants, Super Ghouls and Ghosts, Mega Man 4, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, The Manhattan Project, that Simpsons stand-up um, arcade game that we've all played a million times. That oh, game came good. out in 1991. Uh, the Avengers stand-up video game that's essentially like a clone of that old X-Men game. Same thing, 1991. Like all that you wouldn't think you're almost like your brain is like well not a lot of good games came out in the early 90s they were still working on it no dude a ton of great games came out in 1991 that we probably all played years after the fact so good lord yeah it was a good year it was a good year that's a nice list yeah um mr james rambo 1993 is all yours so i knew it was going to be uh the 90s and i knew it was probably gonna be the early 90s but I i was between this and 94 um and I just decided to lean more 93 for no particular reason. Um, so this is really just me being like, all right, well, let's see what, what came out. Um, so we'll start with video games. Doom. Doom came out in 1993. Mortal Kombat 2, Secret of Mana, uh, Star Fox. Um, Disney's Aladdin, which is way better than any movie-based game has a right to be. Um was also released then uh kirby's adventure uh the game boy zelda game link's awakening there was like a a pretty solid run of video games through 93 including uh the battletoads double dragon crossover um and one of my favorite games of all time uh mega man x was released in 1993 oh yes yeah yeah it's goddamn that game is good um but uh, that's you know that that doesn't for the most part. There's, I mean, there's other stuff. There's like you know, uh, Splatterhouse Three came out, uh, Super Star Wars, Empire Strikes Back. Um, so there's a bunch of little things that came out um, as far as video games are concerned. But really, yeah, Mega Man X was really the the the, the big like get for me. Um, comics in the '90s wasn't super great, but there were some some choice uh, uh, things to, to drop in the in '93. Uh, Night Batman Nightfall. Uh, introduction of Bane and introduction of uh, Azrael as Batman. Um, Scott McCloud's Understanding Comics, which is still an absolutely seminal work uh, about comics. If you haven't read it and you are a comics fan, you deserve to read it. Um, I would not recommend reading much beyond that. Uh, but his Understanding <laughs> Comics is very, very good. Um, what else? What else? What else? Oh, uh, Man Without Fear. There, uh, Daredevil Man Without Fear. Frank Miller and uh, John Romita Jr.'s Daredevil miniseries, uh, which is also phenomenal, uh, came out then. But for me, it's really about the movies. Like, there was a bunch of good music that came out. Uh, in Utero was released in 93. Um, Enter, the, Enter the Wu-Tang came out in 93. Um, Siamese Dream, uh, Bjork's debut. Um, what else? What else? What else? Pablo Honey by Radiohead. Um but yeah, as far as films were concerned, uh, 1993 gave us Schindler's List, Jurassic Park, Groundhog Day, uh, Nightmare Before Christmas, Adam's Family Values, True Romance, which is absolutely one of my favorite films of all time, um, Falling Down, Demolition Man, um, Tombstone in the Line of Fire, Days of Confused, Mrs. Doubtfire. Wow. Uh, Hocus Pocus, Philadelphia. <laughs> yeah, um, okay. you, yeah, yeah, yours beats, beats mine. <laughs> the uh, the Disney Three Musketeers, which isn't a great film, but I enjoy the hell out of it anyway. <laughs> oh, yeah, well, just because Tim Curry's in there, and he's, again. Tim Curry's in there. Oh, God. Yeah. And, like, oh, Oliver Platt. 
it's it's so ridiculous yeah um also i didn't realize this until years later but the guy who is trying to to either i can't remember if he's trying to get d'artagnan arrested or murdered um uh the guy who keeps screaming like d'artagnan that's paul mcgann that is oh. the the eighth doctor. <laughs> yeah, what? crap, it sure is. <laughs> yeah. Wow, it's, yeah. Um but yeah, what else? Uh Coneheads. Coneheads came out, Rudy, Homeward Bound, um the the uh, Brown's uh, uh adaptation, Much Ado About Nothing, Batman, Mask of the Phantasm, um, and So I Married an Axe Murderer all came out in nineteen ninety three. Uh, that is such a was, good movie too. So I married an axe murderer is one of my favorites of all time. Super underrated. Oh god. Uh, well done, dude. Uh, that's the scene. The scene when they're in uh, Alcatraz with Phil Hartman as the <laughs> as the prison guard. He's like kissing the bitch's empty eye sockets. You're like, what the fuck is going on? This way into the cafeteria. Oh my god, that is such a great scene. Um, but as far as uh, TV is concerned, uh, some notable things came. Like, like there's not a lot that, that came out in '93, but some some big notable stuff uh, started in 1993. Animaniacs was had its first year nice. in 1993. Do we X-Fot. know anyone associated with that with Animaniacs, Mike? As a matter of fact, oh. we do. I'm still working on the details. Uh, yeah, he has we, requested we, to be on the show, mm, but I mean, uh, we might be. Able- so you know, reach out to someone, you know, yeah, talk yeah. to our PR department. Yeah, exactly. Rob Paulson, he was like, "Hey, Mike, would love to be on the show," and I was like, "Are you serious? Is this?" Oh, oh God! Oh God! Yeah, no, we're, we're, far. we're working on it. We're working on it. But we're gonna try to get him on too. Very nice. Um, the Animaniacs, uh, X Files, Beavis and Butthead premiered in 1993. Um, wow. I know this is a big deal for a lot of folks our age, but I don't give a shit. Boy Meets World started in 1993. <laughs> um, that I'm matters a more, lot to me. <laughs> I'm much more interested in Frasier, which started in 1993. It's important um, to a lot of people our age, but I don't give a shit. <laughs> I don't. I don't care at all. And when, when they were like, oh, man, Girl Meets World's coming, I was like, great. Why are we re, re you know making these, these shitty 90s sitcoms that were not funny? They were just awkward, and <laughs> I, I don't get it. Like, the whole, like... Full House sequel thing. I don't get it. I don't understand it. Um, but hey, it exists, and, and I'm happy that there's a thing that makes people happy. Uh, Power Rangers. Power Rangers started in 93. Wow. Uh, Rocco's Modern Life, uh, Adventures of Briscoe County Jr. Oh, Bruce Campbell. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. That's, that's, you know. <laughs> I got a friend who was going to love you forever <laughs> for mentioning <laughs> Briscoe County Jr. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I, didn't, I mean, like, it was. It's a. Uh, I think it was. It was just it, it, like similar to '91. We were still riding that that wave from the '80s of like there being a lot of money being in, in entertainment. And there being a lot of people who are willing to take some, some interesting risks. Because um, yeah, man, like uh, late night with Conan O'Brien started '93. Lois and Clark. It was that uh, long ago. Conan is, Conan yeah. was the late night host that long ago. Yeah. I thought um, you were going to say Lois and Clark was on that long ago. <laughs> that that also, yeah, so, man, God, I feel yeah. old now. Well, which means Sequest was on that long ago, too. Sequest. <laughs> um, what else? Uh, uh, the Nanny, Living Single, Full House did not premiere in 87, but it's on this list. And I, uh, It ended in 95, uh, which is two years too long. Um, Homicide, Star Trek Deep Space Nine premiered in 1993. 
Wow. Um, but yeah, man, just say all to say, like, is is a solid year. Everybody likes to talk shit about the '90s in general, and it's like there's some there's some quality entertainment that came out of out of those years. Oh yeah, uh, for sure. But yeah, Sequest, Sequest premiered '93. Yuli's correct. <laughs> I, I well, really, it was on opposite Lois and Clark. I remember watching. <laughs> oh, I didn't know that. I remember specifically going home to watch that show. I, I loved Sequest DSV. Like that was that was such a fun show. Um. And there was another show too, and it's not on your list because it was a piece of crap. But I still remember, <laughs> I still remember watching it. Um, was it was it was like Sequest, you know, followed by Viper, which was like, oh, like I remember yeah. Viper. Dodge like Dodge like had a tie-in with NBC where they were like, hey, we're gonna make this super sweet show about this car that can transform, and it's like the two different versions of the Dodge Viper, and like <laughs> it was basically like a thirty-minute like commercial, and like. The only thing I remember about it was that that song, the Tom Cochran song, "Life Is a Highway," was the theme song. For it. <laughs> that is such a terrible choice for a theme. <laughs> but it's a song. It's a song about you know about a car. They drive on highways, about, don't they? Driving, isn't it? <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, but thank you for not being a sports fan too in 1993, because 1993 was the year that like all things were horrible. Because like oh. the Toronto Blue Jays won the World Series, the Cowboys won the Super Bowl. It was just a gross time to be a sports fan. Oh, buddy. You're like, I don't like sports. <laughs> I, yeah, there's. I saw a shirt recently that said. Uh, football, F-O-O-P-B-A-L-L, and it is taking all I have not to buy it. Um, but yeah, I'm again, I'm happy that you found a thing that you like. That's wonderful. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I guess we have to give a shout to uh, to Steve, too, because uh, he's a Pittsburgher, and uh, Mario Lemieux did win the MVP that year um, for, for, for the hockey. So Delightful. Yes. I believe he also won in my year in 96. I'll have to verify that. Oh. So the, the question would be, Mr. Rambo, is there anything else for 1993 that you feel that you need to mention? Because otherwise, we will transition to 1996. I mean, so not. I mean, honestly, not really. Like it was just a lot of fun. There's a, a there were a, more than a couple series that also ended around that year. Um, but really, yeah, it, it was. I mean, like I'm sure, like for many of us, the years we chose are like. Oh yeah, I was between the ages of nine and fifteen when this happened. Yeah. Um, so it's like this is you know really formative for me as a person. Um, and there's a lot of things that happen. Like, great example, uh, in the middle of its run, the Avengers of Pete and Pete. And then, oh, love that show. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, like, you know, the, you know, designing women was on. It, it, it ended in 1993. <laughs> Um, Knott's Landing was a show that my mother loved, and I remember like staying up and watching that with her. Yeah. Um, so yeah, a lot of stuff like that. Um, yeah, I don't really have anything profound to say about it other than yeah, it was a great year for a lot of good stuff. Yep. There's great. one thing you forgot. What's one that? thing? The Sonic cartoon? No. <laughs> and and it's funny because today is actually the 25th anniversary of the legendary. Midnight Marauders album by uh, is, by Tribe Called Quest. I didn't mm. mention that. Absolutely, it turned it turned twenty five today. Today was the official release date. Yeah, no, like music wise, uh, Doggy Style by Snoop Dogg was released. Um, Black Sunday by Cypress Hill. Uh, Get a Grip by Aerosmith. Uh, what else? What else? What else? Oh shit, Jamiroquai. Um, 
Yeah, lots of things from like little baby Rambo's. Like, oh man, I can't believe that happened all in the same year. But yeah, uh, good stuff. So, Mr. Steve Monick. Yo. 19. I'm still here. What? What? Uh, what's going on? 1996 was your choice, correct? Yeah, and I got just so much stuff. There's no way we could talk about it all. Um, I have six categories. Films, music, sports, TV, comics, and video games. Where do you want to start? Give me some comic books, Steve. Comic books? Okay, that's one of the shorter ones, so let's go with that. Um, Like was previously mentioned, there wasn't a whole lot to write home about as far as comics go. Um, But some of the ones I really plucked out of uh and, and like from the 96 year um at the end of the year marvel like re released uh, a lot of their name brand comics as number ones over again which that tradition has continued on so fantastic four iron man captain america avengers they all got brand new number ones oh was that heroes reborn yeah like oh, that was that kicked to that yeah so that was all like your volume two, everything's restarting, blah, blah, blah. Trying to just avoid what was trending to be not the best um, time for comics. And, you know, it was all because of the collectors and everything. And, you know, it was all designed to be like, hey, let's release a bunch of crap that people buy multiple copies of for collecting. So what sell, you know, what would people want to collect more than a bunch of new number ones? Um from the DC side of things, both Batman the Long Halloween and the Elseworlds Story Kingdom Come came out that year. Um, I think those are both some of the best work from DC. Uh, the Long Halloween, I saw a lot of influence from that book and what eventually came into Nolan's trilogy. It's not a direct one-to-one retelling of the Long Halloween, but that whole Batman year one and then Long Halloween being kind of a sequel-ish to it, um, I just really felt like that was a huge inspiration for the Nolan trilogy, which is some of the best comic book movies that have ever been made. Um, And then uh, Lucasfilm did a really weird thing where they're like, hey, is it possible for us to release everything related to a movie without making the movie? And they did, and they called it Shadows of the Empire. They released novelization, (laughs) comic books, toys. There was an N64 video game. Uh, action figures, I mean, everything. Everything you would market from a Star Wars movie just sands the movie. Um, so I, I remember getting a lot of that stuff, too. Uh, I had Shizor figures, Dash Rendar figures, um, and the you know, read the comic books. I had the novel. The book's actually pretty good. Uh, that's one of the better ones and one of the only ones they really ever did that went between empire and jedi a lot of the expanded universe stuff was well before four well after six there was a couple crunched between the films that was one of them all right guys what are we thinking video games tv sports music films someone just scream a word out that it's one of those things i'll video pick games. sports for a hundred alex <laughs> all right video games then oh, that's sports. so self-serving because the yankees won the world series <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a big baseball fan, so we're not talking about that. (laughs) Something happened in New York. No one cares about it. Yeah. Moving on. Some guy guy hit something. It doesn't matter. It doesn't. Um, So video games, um, there was a a nice little list of things that that came out. But I would say the two biggest that still are hallmarks today 
for nostalgia purposes, number one, that year the Nintendo 64 debuted, and that was a huge console. And then that was also the year Pokemon came out, yep. and that still has riptides throughout, I mean, almost everything as far as Nintendo's concerned. Um, there is still some stuff from, like, the Super Nintendo. So, like, Super Mario RPG came out. Great game. Uh, a lot of the 64 ones, like Super Mario, Shadows of the Empire, Mario Kart, a lot of great ones came out there. That's also the year we saw Resident Evil and Tomb Raider come out. Oh, shit. Um, and then PC-wise, the original Diablo game came out that year as well. Um, and I remember all the stuff on the early days of the internet with the cow level and all that kind of nonsense. So that that's kind of a fun game in and of itself. But some of the early hoaxes and nonsense that you would find on the internet revolving around video games also kind of came with that. So that was fun to, to remember. Um, and the last thing I'll say about video games, the short-lived Virtual Boy was discontinued in 1996 after debuting in 1995. <laughs> well, you got to think too, like anytime they come up with a video game system that the warning is might give severe headaches, it's probably not going to last very long. And for like anyone who's young and doesn't remember what the virtual boy specifically is, just take a pair of laser pointers and blast them in your <laughs> eyes and say, I'm playing Mario tennis. I'm playing Mario tennis. And you have the exact feeling of playing the virtual boy. <laughs> How did no one in their marketing or R&D department think, hey, you think maybe having people stare at a red light on a black background for hours on end might not be great for the vision? Just blows my mind. <laughs> Additionally, did anyone go, what's virtual about this? Shouldn't we be calling it 3D boy? And they're like, get out of here, Kevin. We don't want to talk to you. Shut um, your goddamn mouth. <laughs> Nobody uh, asked you, Kevin. All right. What would we say? Oh, yeah, sports. That's right. That's. Um, I didn't know where to put this in a TV or sports. So um, the OJ trial was on during '96. Oh, that's so that's right. kind of a bridge between those two. So we'll, I guess we'll do TV next. Um, a little bit about hockey, Mike. You mentioned Mr. Mario Lemieux. Um, he had a hat trick in awards that year in '96. He got the Art Ross Trophy, which is the most points. Uh, in that season, he also won the Ted Lindsay Award and the Hart Memorial Trophy. So, hell of a year for Mario Lemieux. Unfortunately, they didn't win the Stanley Cup that year, but that's okay. No, and actually, um, quick side note: the Colorado Avalanche won that one uh, against the Florida Panthers, four games to none. The only reason that's of note is I had gone out to Denver to visit my uncle Steve, who lived out of there at the time that summer, and they had just brought the Avalanche there, and they had just like shown their cool new logo. And they were selling T-shirts, and I bought a T-shirt because I was like, "That's a really dope logo," and like, it was like my favorite T-shirt, and I, I like became like that was like my second team after the Capitals was the was the Avalanche. So it was just really cool to see this team who had just moved from Quebec this that year win the Stanley Cup, and I was like, I felt invested because I had a T-shirt. So that's it. I mean, that's a good team to to pick up as well. I yeah. mean, Patrick Waugh was easily one of the greatest goalies we will ever see. So. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, but and the other thing that's interesting as far as hockey goes, 96 was the year they uh, Fox tried to do that Fox tracks thing with the glowing puck. <laughs> the glowing puck. I don't know if you guys remember that at all. <laughs> that just like yes. died instantly. But yeah, I thought that was just a fun little bit of nostalgia to bring back up. Yeah. Um, Wait, what, was, so, what was this? 
So what they tried to do, and again, remember, we're talking about an era of standard definition television. One of sure. the biggest complaints about hockey, everyone goes, I can not I can never pull the puck. I don't know where the puck ever is. I just see dudes skating around. And yeah. so Fox, uh, when they broadcast their hockey games, they put this thing, they called it Fox Tracks, and tracks with an X on the end, because that's how you know it's cool. It's, everything 90s. had Xs in extreme in the 90s. Um, and what they did is they, they put like a glowing ring around it, almost like it was like in a video game, like just this like glowing hue and it was supposed to help people be able to see where the puck was as the game progressed. Um, It didn't work in any capacity. It looked stupid and ridiculous and it barely lasted any length of time. But just for, for hockey fans, it's kind of like one of those old jokes, you know, when people are new to hockey or whatever, like, ah, why don't you just like, put a glowing ring around it or something like that. I mean, it's, it's just a little piece of nostalgia. Um, all right, moving on to bigger sports topics real quick. We did host the Olympics that year in Atlanta. Oh yeah. The the summer Olympics, I should clarify. And we kind of kicked ass a little bit. We won 101 total medals, 44 gold. Um, and if you remember back then, that's when Michael Johnson was kind of like tearing up the track and field side of things he was kind of our big name uh for that for that summer olympics so that was uh, a good year uh good and bad for my team the steelers uh they made the super bowl that was played in 96 it's always weird because it's the 95 96 season but the game was in 96 super bowl triple x super bowl 30 we lost to mike's favorite team the cowboys (laughs) <laughs> I mean, the Cowboys had a great player on their team. His name was Neil O'Donnell. He completed so many passes to the Cowboys that year. Um, it's like they didn't even need their backup, Troy Aikman. Uh, yeah, it was just um, the Cowboys and the Patriots are the only two teams that have ever won three Super Bowls in four years, and that was that one for the Cowboys. Through uh, context clues, I was able to discern that that gentleman did not play for the Cowboys. He was the starting quarterback for the Steelers. That is correct. Yeah, he was a couple interceptions. Yeah. And there was one, and it looked really bad. It, 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 when you watch from different angles, it turns out our receiver fell down. But I still remember, like, we still had a chance. We were still technically in the game. And it, it, just on the screen, it just looks like Neil O'Donnell just throws it directly to the Dallas cornerback and i don't even think he was like what is happening right now and he cleanly picked it off it was terrible um but we're gonna move over to things that i like about uh sports and that's namely when my teams win championships like michael jordan did over the supersonics his triumphant return from baseball and kicking off the second of the three peats um that was like sean kemp Gary Payton, Supersonics. I mean, these two teams just beat the hell out of each other, and that was a fun series to watch now that Jordan was back. Yeah, and that Bulls team, too. They were 72-10 and 10 that year. They were that, killing people. And that record stood yep. until, was it three two years, years ago? Three, two, three? Two, three yeah, when, yeah, so exactly 20 years that record stood until the, the Warriors eked it out by one game, 73-9. and nine. And, which, then, and then they didn't end up winning the championship, which was crazy. <laughs> like, yeah, you go up three-one and you let it. You, you didn't win. <laughs> Cleveland didn't win that. Golden State lost the championship. Yeah, you know, when you're up three-one, you can't lose it. You, or Cleveland can't win. You can only lose it. Yeah. That's what happened. 
Um, so let's talk about Michael Jordan a little bit more and go into films. Can anyone name the film that Michael Jordan was in? The Legend of Bagger Vance. That is correct. <laughs> oh, wait, he also started in Space Jam. That's oh, right. Oh, yeah, I heard oh, about yeah. that. Film and NBA went together a lot that year because another favorite of mine kazam came out that year with shaquille o'neal <laughs> playing a magical genie that lived in a boom box i, was, I, I, I honestly thought you were gonna say blue chips or was that 94 oh, it wasn't on my list let me pull it up. i think i think blue chips was 94 it was it fact. was it was right. 94 good memory good memory um just a real quick shotgun list of films here that everyone i think will, will remember Black Sheep, Happy Gilmore, <laughs> nice. Muppet Treasure Island, yes. one of the lesser-known Muppet <laughs> ones, but still awesome. We talked about Frasier, Down Periscope with Kelsey Grammer. I think that's an underrated comedy. I, I really enjoy that movie. <laughs> I still say let's kick this pig to this day. To me. <laughs> they look at me like I'm a lunatic, but that's probably because they're right. Um, Lauren Holly in that movie was very, very important to – my development as a young man. <laughs> are you in? Are you in level or? That was that was artfully put too. Well done. I, I mean, <laughs> there, were, there were moments. There were posters. It was a whole thing. <laughs> I don't know what to do now. I don't. What do I do with my hands? Um, with... Above the waist. Above the waist. Above the waist. <laughs> <laughs> that was on time. Oh my god! <laughs> uh, all right. Anyway, um, uh, Twister came out. Mission Impossible, the first one that the the sixth one just came out this year. I love that whole franchise. Mike, I know you'll appreciate this. The Rock. Yes. Not yes. Rock Johnson was born, but the movie uh. where old retired James Bond and Nick Cage hang out with oh. Michael Bay for a little while. Losers complain uh, about doing their best. Winners go home and fuck the prom queen. God, that is such a great line. It would have been a lot better if there was a Scottish accent. <clears throat> hang on a second. Losers always complain about doing their best. Winners go home and fuck the prom queen. Ah. <laughs> Much <laughs> better. Thank you. <laughs> and if Michael Bay was enough for you, you got Roland Emmerich, Independence Day coming out. Oh. Um, film. I know. Again, Mike, you're gonna like this because Robin Williams, the movie Jack. Yes. Which that's not why I named my son that, but it you know still a good movie. Um, another movie I really liked at that time, Matilda. Oh, that's such a great mm. movie. Like that's... I was ten years old, and that was like the perfect movie for me at that age. Dude, that I is love... a, that is a staple in the Lunsford household. Is we watch Matilda. On a, on a semi-regular basis. We all love it. Like, whenever we're eating something and there's a lot of it and, like, we need to finish it, Sandy will look at me and say, you can do it, Brucey! Like, expecting me to finish the food. Like, like Brucey had to finish that chocolate cake. <laughs> and Danny DeVito also directed that film yeah. as well. It's produced it and starred in it. I mean, that was yeah. kind of a pet project of his, and it turned out to be a really good film. Yeah, it really is. It's a fantastic film. Like, I, abs I God, I love Matilda. Such a good film. Good choice, man. <laughs> Hey, are you going to mention Down Periscope? We did. Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. Remember? Oh, that's, yeah, that was where yeah. Lauren Holly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Apparently yeah. you, like, jerked yourself into a coma thinking about Lauren Holly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that movie and Picket Fences were a real big deal. 
<laughs> I mean, well, that, and I mean, I think it all started with Dumb and Dumber, you know, when, Dumb and Dumber, when, yeah, yeah, really when Lloyd, Lloyd, Lloyd Christmas. And, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'm going to make Mike feel the way about this next movie that you feel about Lauren Hawley. Mike, Star Trek First Contact came out that year. <laughs> oh, I love that movie. God, I love that movie. That's such a great movie. We also had Jingle All the Way with Jake Lloyd and Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> that is a holiday classic for me. Freaking Turtle Man, Turbo Man. Turtle, turtle Man, whatever. Who cares? Um, and then Mars Attacks also came out, which I think uh, that's... Oh, that's shit, under, I love Mars Attacks. Underrated flick, man. Like, when the old lady just starts busting out laughing after the Martians evaporate, like, the House of Representatives, <laughs> and she's like, they blew up Congress, bah! <laughs> I just remember that being such a big deal because there were so many stars in it. Yeah. But, like... Who cares? It was funny. I don't care who's in it. Yeah. Like, I know, like, that's why people cared about it, but it ended up being awesome anyway. And Jack Nicholson as president was was pretty great, too. Like, like his speech to the American people, like, after they blew up Congress, he's like, hey, you still have two out of the three major pieces of the government, and that ain't bad. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Anything, anything else for 1996, Steve? Dude, I got so much music and TV left to go, but I'll, I'll skip music. I'll just say that Dream Theater's International Fan Club did release his Christmas CD, so you know there was something. I went back and looked through the 30-year history. There's only eight years that they didn't release something, and 96 was not one of them. Because we can't go um, a show without you mentioning Dream Theater. So, yes, well done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then a couple quick hitters for TV. Third Rock from the Sun debuted. Nick at Night, just the entity Nick at Night. They started doing that. See, um, I said earlier, I was like, man, I can't believe that was that long ago. But Nick at Night, I feel like I'm surprised that that wasn't around bef- like earlier. Like, yeah, that six, seems really late. Yeah. yeah. It's getting to the point now where like the stuff that is on this list is now on now's Nick at Night as opposed to back then where it was like episode reruns like Brady Bunch and like the Dick Van Dyke show and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, Mary Tyler Moore and whatever. Like now it's, I mean, the stuff that we're, we're, we were watching growing up. Um, what else? So uh, the original run of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles had their final season. Uh, Dexter's Lab, Superman the Animated Series, Wearing Time is Carmen Sandiego, Hey Arnold, um, VH1's pop-up video came oh God, out in 96. pop-up video. Um, and the biggest one for me, uh, 96 was the year that Funimation um, started producing and releasing the English dub of Dragon Ball Z. Nice. Uh, that, that was huge. I, I'm just a huge, huge Dragon Ball Z fan, yep. um, anime in general. So whew, that is 96. I think um, just a quick aside here because – I missed a huge chunk of of music for 1991. I forgot to mention like one of possibly like one of the biggest albums of all time, and that was Metallica's Black Album was in 1991. 1996 is a killer list of music. I think what we'll do is later we will do a pick your best year of music in the 90s or whatever. Oh, we'll, we'll do that. For, we'll save that for for down the road here because I want to get That's MC. I want to get MC Brooks a chance to do his because he's been patiently waiting. Um, yeah, he picked the it. wrong year. Exactly. <laughs> Al contraire, I picked the right year. <laughs> the microphone is yours, Mr. MC Brooks. All right. Um, so I wanted to pick 1998, uh, not because I'm the youngest person here, and 98 is kind of one of the earlier years that I actually remember. <laughs> but 98 was actually the year like I kind of 
fully developed and kind of came into my nerdiness. And that's because of a lot of the media that I got exposed to in 1998. Now, granted, I was only in fifth grade <laughs> in 1998. But uh, th that's the year that got the ball rolling. Oh, that is weird. Okay. Uh, that's the year they got the, they got the ball rolling for me. And the thing that specifically got it rolling and I'll start, um, my, I'll start my list by going through 1998 and animation because there was a show that debuted that Steve actually mentioned because the game debuted two years prior and that's the Pokemon, uh, animated series that the anime actually debuted in 1998. And that was kind of my introduction uh, into kind of anime because I, I watched the show. I got into the the game after that, and it was it was all uh, all downhill from there. But just to where's my list at? Here it is. So like just just uh, just going through the animation part of uh, like the TV of TV, what was on TV in '98. We had the 200th episode of The Simpsons that came out in '98. Uh, uh, again, I mentioned Pokemon. Then we have such heavy hitters like Mulan, Ants, the Rugrats movie, A Bug's Life, The Prince of Egypt. Um, we had Celebrity Deathmatch came out. <laughs> <laughs> Hysteria came out in 98. Cat Dog came out, as well as the Powerpuff Girls that also came out in, 90, in uh, 98. And if we're just talking about anime specifically... Cowboy Bebop was 98. Captor Sakura came out in 98. Initial D was 1998, as well as Outlaw Star, Trigun, and Yu-Gi-Oh. I'm not a Damn. huge anime fan in general, but I did watch almost all of Cowboy Bebop, and it's it's just incredible. Like it's it's, it's really really well done. Like I just absolutely loved it. It's one of my favorite soundtracks of anything I've ever listened to. Like, I, I can listen to the Cabo Bebop soundtrack at any point for any length of time. It's amazing. Um, let's see. Oh, so breaking away from the animation portion, if we just get into just, like, regular television and stuff that debuted in 98, we have such hits like uh, Dawson's Creek came out in 98, uh, Power Rangers in Space, which I've never seen, but I have a vague memory of seeing it. Uh, the Silver Surfer cartoon, uh, Two Guys, A Girl, in the Pizza Place, The Teletubbies, which I was actually kind of surprised because I, I could have sworn that was later. Uh, Whose Line came out in 98, uh, Sex in the City, Cousin Skeeter, uh, The Wild Thornberries, Animorphs, That 70s Show, MTV debuted TRL in 98. Whoa. Right. Uh <laughs> <laughs> if you if you've ever had if you ever had one of those like sick days where you couldn't where you were too lazy to change the channel you probably saw Judge Joe Brown because that debuted ninety eight <laughs> yeah as well that's a good call <laughs> as well as uh, Charmed and uh, Comedy Central Presents also came out in ninety eight which I thought was pretty awesome wow also uh, Toonami also had arguably one of their better lineups that year. Because uh, that was the year that they debuted Sailor Moon, uh, Dragon Ball Z, Thundercats, as well as the Adventures of Johnny Quest and Voltron. Yeah. When did they include Reboot? That would must have been a little bit later. Reboot was, no, no. Reboot was the very next year. It was 99. Beautiful. Very next year. All right. I'm trying to see. What should I get into here? Oh, uh, let's 
going to uh, well i already did television let's go ahead and do movies so they were like a fuck ton of movies that came out in uh in 98 the truman show was 98 uh saving private ryan the big lebowski oh there's something about mary half baked was nice. 98 <laughs> spice world the wedding singer uh, Wild Things. Shout out to Mike for mentioning that earlier. Uh, <laughs> uh, Three Ninjas, High Noon at Mega Mountain. Uh, Major League, Back to the Miners. He Got Game. Uh, the musical Le Mis was 98. Deep Impact. Uh, Godzilla, Small Soldiers. Lethal Weapon 4, The Mask of Zorro. The Parent Trap with Lindsay oh, Lohan. The Mask of Zorro. Yeah. Blade was 98 oh, yeah. some motherfuckers always trying to ice get uphill <laughs> you knew that was coming uh, speaking of Jackie Chan Rush Hour was 98 as well as Bride of Chucky, Belly American History X I still know what you did last summer and Pokemon the first movie just wow. to name a few that's a lot damn like yeah, and I think like Saving Private Ryan is probably like one of the best and most accurate, I'd say, depictions of what war is like. Um, in a completely different realm, The Big Lebowski is like one of my favorite movies of all time. It's just <laughs> absolutely just astounding. It's so it's so funny. Um, Blade doesn't get enough credit. I feel like Blade was a really good comic book movie, and it because it did well, it didn't really. A lot of people forget that 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 kind of helped x-men come out in 2000 shoot that movie saved marvel comics yeah yep yep yes indeed yeah yeah that and toy biz buying them uh buying them out of uh, bankruptcy <laughs> um it's it was a really good movie at the time um i wonder if it i was reading an article that was saying like i, I think people kind of misinterpreted this movie and took it as like almost making them heroic and that's the characters from american history x um mm -hmm. I, I it was an incredible story and like if you got the message that it was trying to tell you but like at the same time I think some people weren't getting the message and like <laughs> they were just like oh cool look at Ed Norton he's ripped and he's got a swastika tattoo let's do that and no guys you're missing the yeah. <laughs> forget it like yeah yeah he's been in a couple movies where like it's easy for stupid people to miss the point and in doing so real not realize that the movie is about the exact opposite goal yeah like fight club of what they like yeah exactly yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. well he's such a good actor you know that uh, oh, you know yeah. a lot of people become uh, obsessed with the performance or absorbed in the, the the movie itself without necessarily thinking about what it is you know and it's, yeah. that's particularly true with a movie like american history x because he played that character so well yeah you know i mean and then even the the change i mean it was uh, yeah okay i mean he mostly changed but he's still pretty reprehensible you know and he's just mainly trying to save his brother you know yeah. and it's so much that uh, you know he he i mean his experience it changed him, but I wouldn't, you know, he wouldn't be going to any barbecues, you know. And, no. Uh, well, and, and, and like, people's house there. So much Certainly of the, not swimming parties. No. <laughs> <laughs> so much of that movie ends just before we get to see him really become a different person because what you said is absolutely right. We see, like, the initial change. And basically, after that, he gets out. He gets out of prison, and it's like, okay, I fucked up. I need to fix things. Okay, I'm gonna go fix things. 
oh no, everything I did already caused too many problems. <laughs> it's already damned me and my family. Yeah. <laughs> Marcus, what else for 1998 do we have? Like, I'm, I'm looking over the video game list right now. Um, there's a couple of good ones. Um, but what do you got? What do you got on the list for the video games? Uh, okay. So for as far as video games, we have a bunch of classics, a, a bunch of personal faves too. Uh, Legend of Zelda: Ocarina of Time. Yes. <laughs> Arguably the best Zelda game of all time. Banjo uh, Banjo uh, Kazooie uh, was '98. Uh, Resident game. Evil Resident Evil Two came out '98. Uh, Metal Gear Solid, uh, Starcraft. Dude, Starcraft, like. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I wasted so much time playing StarCraft. <laughs> uh, Fallout 2, Xenogears, Tomb Raider 3, Spyro the Dragon, which is probably my favorite uh, Sony franchise, and I'm very excited to pick up the, the, the revised version that comes out in a few days. Um, F-Zero X, which I feel, I feel like the F-Zero series is probably one of the more underrated racing games mostly because they don't make them anymore but that was such, they were such a fun fucking game to play back in the day um marvel versus capcom came out in 98 pokemon yellow uh arguably one of the biggest video games and one of the ones most associated with a very specific portion of the nerd community dance dance revolution came out in 98 <laughs> It's a very specific, very specific from the nerd community, <laughs> and we're all picturing like I know that guy. Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah, exa exactly. <laughs> we all have one person in mind that we really like picked that we we knew. Yeah, exactly. We all had somebody in mind when when he when you said that. Exactly. Um, um, uh, Final Fantasy Tactics came out. Uh, Tom Clancy's Rainbow Six was also in 1998. Wow. And then also a very iconic game in the Nintendo franchise, Mario Party, came out in 1998. Nice. I remember shredding my palms on the original one of that, doing those games where you had to spin the joystick around. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, personal favorite of mine came out in 98, too. That was uh, Star Wars Rogue Squadron for 64. That was a oh, that game yeah. was a blast. I don't think I played that. Yeah, the game was a it ton of fun phenomenal that was the first time you really felt like i'm flying vehicles in star wars yeah and you you had to put the there was an expansion pack you had to put into the system to increase the graphics like that's how good this game was like they were like you're gonna need this extra little weird looking boxy thing to stick in the front of your uh your 64 to make it work better basically yeah i remember that because i think um i think i got that with donkey kong 64 yeah like they like they gave them out with that game, but then there's a bunch of other ones afterwards that needed it. Yeah. Um, what else you got for for 1998, uh, Mr. MC Brooks? All right. Uh, one last thing on the video game tip. Yeah. Uh, Rockstar Games was actually formed in 1998. Ooh. So the the people behind the Grand Theft Auto series, Earthworm Jim 3D, the Midnight Club series, the Max Payne series, and the Red Dead series was formed in 1998 i thought that was pretty awesome uh the last thing i really have here are just the the music of 1998 um i would go over sports but the, you know dc sports was kind of trash in in 98 and i don't i don't i don't even need to mention what happened to our beloved capitals uh, uh that was rough yeah that year yeah it was 
it was bad. I mean, uh, the uh, one of the only things of note that I did that I definitely do want to mention from 1998 was uh, that was the year that Maguire and Sosa were chasing the record. Oh, dude, mm-hmm. yeah, that was, baseball. That was so much fun too. Like, that was that. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah, they just that like, was. And it was so it was exciting to watch. It made baseball interesting because <laughs> baseball can be kind of a bore uh, to watch on TV. But like seeing these two dudes just duke it out, going back and forth, like to see who the first person in the crack sixty-one home runs. It was just yeah, it was a lot of fun. Absolutely, and also, and this is only kind of sports adjacent, but my guy Stone Cold Steve Austin also became the third <laughs> back-to-back Royal Rumble winner in nineteen ninety-eight. Stone Cold. I have to mention it because I was a huge WWF fan back then. I was and too. So, like, I mean, if I remember correctly, '98 was probably around like when I, I think I went to my first SmackDown that year. Uh, and there was just a whole lot. I, I just remember there was a ton of stuff that happened. I think Mike Tyson uh, had some did some stuff with WWF that I year. Remember that? That was the that was the WrestleMania. It was. Shawn Michaels, who was the champion, versus Steve Austin for the um, WWF championship. Yep. And Mike Tyson was the special referee. And Mike, Tus- <laughs> Mike Tyson gave Vince McMahon a Stone Cold Stunner. <laughs> <laughs> I was I was also a big wrestling fan at this point too. Yeah. Yeah. There. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that happened that happened that year. Uh, 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 the Rock joined the the corporation that year. Um, there was some stuff with DX that happened that year. I mean, it, it, that all of that was 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 awesome. But um, the last thing I really have here on my list is just uh, oh, music. So they were like a uh, like 1998 in music. Uh, we saw a lot of really different albums that turned out to be really iconic um, culturally speaking. So like we had the Miseducation of Lauryn Hill. Uh, one of my personal favorite albums, Hello Nasty by the Beastie Boys. Good call. It was 98. Uh, Outkast, Equimini was 98. We had Mezzanine by Massive Attack. Uh, Celebrity Skin from Hole. Uh, the last A Tribe Called Quest album, Love Movement, came out. Uh, art, the the um, One of the most iconic hip-hop songs of all time, doing it again for the 99 and 2000, was actually born... 1998, because that's when Juvenile released 400 Degrees <laughs> with Back That Ass Up as the single. Um, we had Jay-Z release uh, Volume 2, The Hard Knock Life, with the famous Annie sample. Uh, Follow the Leader by Korn came out in 98, and that was kind of, that was the album that introduced new metal into the mainstream. Uh, DMX came out with As Dark and Hell is Hot. NSYNC released their, day, their self-titled album. A band that Mike is very familiar with, The Offspring, released yeah. Americana. Yeah, they did. In '98, and then even if we even if we just break away from albums and just talk about singles, Cher released Believe in in 1998. Britney Spears came out with Baby One More Time, and that was like uh, she ex- exploded onto the scene. Like yeah. that was that was the that was she was the biggest thing ever that year. Like that was when she became. Britney Spears and everybody was like, "Holy crap! Where did this come from?" Absolutely, uh, Ayumi Hamasaki came out that year, and that's a name that I feel like a lot of people may not uh, be too familiar with. But if you watch the anime Inuyasha, she became she did the ending theme, "Dearest," which is you know really popular in the anime community. And also, it's excuse me, Yutada Hikaru made her debut in '98 
and she's the uh, the singer behind all of the Kingdom Hearts theme songs. Wow. Include, and so she debuted uh, Culture Club Reformed in 1998, and then there were a bunch of bands that were also um, got there that um, formed originally in 1998, like American Hi-Fi, Atomic Kitten, Atreyu, CKY, Eiffel 65, The Gorillas, uh, OK Go. Uh, Reggie in the Full Effect, Reliant K, Something Corporate, SR71, 30 Seconds nice. to Mars, uh, and Thrice, just to name a couple. It might have been in 1998 that I actually saw SR71 play. Local Boys. Yeah. Yeah. I, I can't remember. Festival. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, it might have been It might have been 99, but still, I remember, yeah, I remember them becoming a band and becoming a thing. Yeah. That was yeah. my first ever concert was HF Festival '98. Nice. Wow. Yeah, you I, the no, I was. Oh Jesus! Uh, I know SR71 was there. Um, <laughs> Everclear, Bush, Buckcherry. Uh, I think Limp Bizkit closed the show. Um, well, yeah, as soon as they started playing, everybody left. Right. <laughs> oh no no! I stayed the whole goddamn time. Yeah, I'll cop to that. Um, <laughs> saying Nookie as loud as you possibly could. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just, no, I missed WHFS. That was a great station. I'm just, okay. just giving you a hard time, man, because I, I definitely loved loved me some, uh, oh, some Limp Biscuit at the time, yeah. too. So. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Wow, listen uh, to this lineup, dude. This is the 98 um, HF Festival. The Crystal Method, Green Day, Scott Weiland, Foo Fighters, the B-52s, the Mighty Mighty Boston's, Everclear, Bare Naked Ladies, Wyclef Jean, Marcy Playground, Soul Coughing, Semisonic. And then wow. the wow. Cherry Poppin' Daddies, Save Ferris, Fastball, Harvey Danger, Fuel. Like, that they oh, had, yeah. that was a pretty good lineup, that's for sure. Oh, yeah. Well, that was always a great event. Yeah, yeah. yeah that show was amazing. Yeah. And the fact that they did it every single year. <laughs> yeah. It's like, wow. And HF cheap. So yeah. cheap. Oh, yeah. It was like, what, like 20 bucks maybe? I think I think my tickets for were like thirty five bucks yeah. for an all day music festival. Oh yeah, I definitely um I was waiting tables because um I was still in high school at the time. Uh, it was the ninety nine concert was the one with Limp Biscuit. Um, because I remember going to that one because I remember getting fired from my job at Red Robin because I skipped my shift so that I could go see the <laughs> and it was worth it was worth every penny that I lost in not having That's that job. So anymore. awesome. <laughs> Hey, do you want some more clucks and fries? Nope, because I got to go see Limp Bizkit. <laughs> <laughs> hey, um, I had forgotten to uh, throw in music. So I just, you know, because 78 was one of those, again, one of those years, you had such great songs coming out as uh, YMCA <laughs> by the Village People. Wow. Uh, nice. Yeah, you know, I mean, you had, um, uh, oh, good gracious, um, uh, and here I oh night BGs BGs were freaking huge yeah. in '78. Uh, Commodores, uh, three times a lady. Uh, you had um, Donna Summer, Last Dance, um, used to be my girl from the OJ's. Uh, short people from uh, Randy <laughs> Newman. Um, you know, I mean, just uh, such a fantastic year for '78. Uh, was a good year for music. Yeah. Dang, dude. Yeah, what a parallel lines by Blondie, uh, Van Halen one. Yeah, Van Halen by Van Halen. Wow. Um, uh, Running on empty, Jackson Brown. Yeah. Life's been good and Joe Walsh. Oh, that's a great song. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, they this just was, don't make them like that. <laughs> this this was a good man. This was good. This was a lot of fun. Like just kind of having our our reminiscing moments about these these years. Because and that's the funny thing about this is like we did almost two hours talking about this, and I still feel like there's more we could talk about. Like this was oh of course this was a great great episode I'm, I'm really glad you guys joined me for this um so thank you uh, and yeah, yeah sure, this man. was this was a lot of fun let's um let's go ahead and wrap things up here i want to go around around the uh, the virtual table if you will and uh, let everybody plug their stuff um mr james rambo yes sir you're a very talented artist why don't you tell the folks where they can buy your lovely and awesome artwork that you sell thanks buddy uh, you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and Tumblr as at Rambozus, R-A-M-B-O-Z-U-S. Uh, and I have an Etsy store set up. It is Art of James Rambo. Um, and aside from that, I respond, you know, when called by name. Um, but uh, yeah, Christmas is coming up, and I make lots of very reasonably affordable and easy-to-frame artwork. Yeah, I might actually be talking to you about giving you some money if you'll do a, uh, a Matt Murdock in his black outfit with the Muay Thai rope wraps around his hand. Cause that would be, oh, yeah, I might need that. I might that need that in my life. That would be fun. Yeah. God damn it. I might need that in my life. Um, yeah, we, yeah, we should talk about that. Yes, we, we certainly shall. Um, I also want to give some props to Mr. MC Brooks because he mentioned this cause uh, Yuli asked, he was like, Hey, I saw you on stage. What do you do? Hey, MC Brooks, why don't you tell us what you do and how they can find your stuff? Because you are an awesome rapper. Uh, <laughs> thank you. Uh, all my stuff can be found um, on all of the streaming services. Just search my name, MC Brooks, on Spotify, Apple Music, Tidal. Uh, you'll be able to find uh, my recently released project, Dark Dawn, as well as Liberation and uh, The Dead Zone, which are my earlier projects. However, if you do want to support me and give me money for my stuff, you can also go to mcbrooks.bandcamp.com where you can cop uh, all the projects I mentioned as well as an instrumental album and some earlier music that I've put out as well. Wonderful. Uh, his name is Ulysses E. Campbell. If you can find free time in his busy schedule, um, you can maybe get him to be on your podcast too like I did. Um, but he is uh, the host of Arlington in the Morning, which is 7 a.m., to 9 a.m. every day on WERA.FM. But that's not the only thing you do, Yuli. You're not just a morning show host. What else do you do? Uh, well, um, on Saturday afternoons, uh, I do the radio version of Fantastic Forum, which is a wonderful show that I've been uh, involved in with a bunch of other folks for a number of years. And uh, that uh, the radio version airs on WERA 96.7 FM in Arlington, Virginia, 4 p.m. You can also stream it if you're outside the listening area via WERA.FM. And uh, we're on, uh, you know, the, the website is fantasticforum.tv, where you can also find uh, links to uh, the various interviews from the television version. Uh, you can find a broadcast schedule, uh, their, um, the toy segment, and discussion segment, complete episodes uh, that are broken out over there. And um, hey, like us on Facebook, uh, follow us on Twitter. We love to be liked and we like to be followed. Thank you so much. <laughs> of course. <laughs> um, Mr. Steve Monick, you are um, the second half of the creative team of GGR, the great 
Geek Refuge with uh, myself included in that. Uh, but you have been doing a yeoman's job of doing the Geek Sheets, which you're getting a break from this month because we're doing nothing but Nostalgia November. You're working on an article that I am so excited about. Tell me what you got coming up for your Nostalgia November article. Yeah, I've written a few in the past for the past Nostalgia Novembers, which Mike has done a, a f fantastic job of kind of calling all of our different contributors Nostalgia November and putting it right up where anyone can find it. So if you want to read those, um, maybe like get into Batman the Animated Series or some old NES games um, with a little bit of my stupid humor. There they are. Uh, this year I'm doing bracket-style sports moments nostalgia style from from my personal nostalgia list so there's a couple things that may have been mentioned tonight there's a couple things that have you know early 2000s later 90s earlier 90s all across the board and i'm i had my wife randomize them so i didn't couldn't pick favorites and had to match them up against each other um the finale is killing me i have no idea how to pick who who wins well, I think if anything, um, I don't even, I'm trying to think, I mean, I don't know what it is, but that's a great tease, man. Like, I like that. Like, cause when we do see it, we'll know how hard you worked on trying to come up with that close. So all I'm going to say is the last two, it's six championships against six championships. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> wow. Well, there you go. Um, so guys, as Steve was mentioning, Nostalgia November is our big thing that we do every November here at uh, GGR. Check it out. There's there's lots of great articles that we have that go into movies, that go into uh, sports. You'll, you'll soon see that. Um, we talk about um, TV shows. We talk about video games. It, it's a little bit of everything there. So definitely check it out. The website is greatgeekrefuge.com. We've got a bevy of podcasts. There's this one, obviously, uh, GGR Pirate Radio. There's also MC Brooks. He's got his own. It's called The Overflow. You should check that out as well. I have a couple of side projects that I work on as well. One called Stop Me If You Heard This, which is basically all about some really interesting stories uh, behind uh, music that we're all familiar with. I'm going to delve into some other stuff with that, where we're going to go into movies and TV and some other things. So just some awesome stories, because as you can see, I, I love talking. So anytime I can tell a story uh, is, is a good thing in my book. But guys, thank you so much for tuning in tonight. Thank you so much for listening. Again, thank you so much for tuning in to GGR Pirate Radio. My name is Mike Lunsford, and thank you for listening. Juice bags. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, boy.